Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Wherever you are, welcome to our episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the her in respect terrible. <laughs> oh. I thought if I, I just went one. through it quickly, it would work. I had one this week. Oh, tell me. You don't Did remember it. You didn't write it down. I ha- it happened with Nicoletta. Nicoletta maybe? had one. I believe that about her. No, I mean, I thought of one oh. when I, but maybe it wasn't with her. Oh. That was a good story, wasn't it? <laughs> My name is. I'm Sarah. glad I saved that Me too. for this recording that other people are going to listen to. <laughs> my name is Summer Yeager. I'm here with my beautiful co-host Joy. And Joy, I have a a subgenre of uh, topic I would like for us to start. Okay, covering. Um, and I want it to be, and I know you have at least one of these. I because I have one of these a week. So you have at least Ooh, one of these I'm a week. excited. Okay, here's what it is. To have something. <laughs> I'm excited to have it. You're about to have You already have it. You just yeah. don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the spot we should start is the annoying thing that annoys me that it annoys everyone. Oh, okay. Because I have a lot of these. Okay. Like, you know how there's the thing that people love to be annoyed about? And then, right. and then what happens is they're so annoyed about it that they actually highlight it beyond what it even remotely needs to Mm -hmm. be okay so the thing that i have that's just been really grinding my gears that it annoys me that it annoys other people Uh is when people get really vocal and angry when other people tell you their baby's age in months (laughs) yeah i don't totally just listen here's the thing. i don't totally get the annoyance. honestly honestly okay he, okay is it, there's a cutoff here right. okay mm-hmm. obviously of there's course. a cutoff of what's appropriate but like is it really that like can you not divide by 12 right like is that are you are what is what you're telling me that you don't know your multiples of 12 because right. like if someone tells me their kid is 30 months old i can figure out how old right. that is in years. And I don't need to write a Facebook right. post about it. Yeah. I don't need to talk about it. I don't no, need to I'm vent. No, I'm in it. I'm in it. Because George is almost two. Right. Once she's two, I get, get I just get to be like, oh, she's, she's two. two. And then when she turns three, I'll say, oh, she's three. Right. But, but I'm is, in this weird. There's a huge difference between a one-year-old and a 16-month-old. Oh, yes. Because so yeah. much happens right. in that time mm-hmm. period. Oh, yeah. So much happens. And then there's a big difference between a 16-month-old and a two-year-old. Yep. Because so much happens in that time period. Oh, yeah. So it drives me nuts that people are so driven nuts by it. Like, right. can you just divide by 12 and move on with your life? I think it just probably has to do with uh, well I mean not I'm not saying everyone doesn't like kids but most people are not exposed to kids and maybe Mm. they don't realize there's a difference like there's not a huge difference between 15 and 16 years old but there's a big difference between one and one and two and what happens like oh yeah maybe they just don't care about right but I don't think it's trendy or cute to not care 
I just, I can't. I like, see more people. Me. Right. Don't ask. Like, if you don't care how old is, my kid is. I see, I see more people complain right. about someone giving the months than I see people responding in months. Right. Like, it's just, and they're, they're so mad about They've it. They've created the boogeyman. Like, I almost want to just start giving my children. Like, if I see you complain about it, I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you how, how old my kids are in months. Like, it's just what I'm going to do. Get just, ready. Just, I hope you guys are ready. <laughs> because what? Can we just, can we move on? Anyway, that's the thing. That's the annoying thing that annoys me that it annoys everyone else. Uh-huh. Like, I need you to be at peace with this and not let right. it. It's really not that annoying. Let it go. You because go. you, when you get annoyed about it, it's more annoying than the actual thing that spawned the annoyance. Right. Is what I'm saying. And it was funny. The first person that, that made a joke about it was right. funny. But the seven billionth person that made a joke about it. Move on. Move on. Anyway. That was, that's my name. <laughs> well, you're right. I am Joy. And I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Summer. And I don't have an annoying thing that annoys me that annoys other people. Mm. Did I get that right? But I do have, yeah. I well, not really. But I have a thought. Um, well, so there's this thing um, about history that I feel like not enough people talk about or consider when they're okay. considering the things of the past. Okay. I'm ready. I have a specific instance and then we can okay. hash it Go out a little it. bit. Okay. I'm ready. Um, so something that I think is very important in the scheme of things mm. is that Hitler mm. did a lot of drugs because yeah. drugs were not, they were like, does your back hurt? Do heroin. <laughs> like they weren't controlled like right. they, they are now. Regulated, like, yeah. And they, we didn't totally understand the scope of how much regular drug usage could affect you, could affect you behaviorally, physically. Yeah. But nobody sense. ever talks about. No. Like what drugs did he use? Towards the end. I don't He was know. doing tons of cocaine all the time. Now. And I don't, I don't know. know if he was like, a recreational drug user or if he really thought this like I'm just me. giving I'm just taking something that my doctor told me to take right because that could have been it could have been the case that your doctor was like take this and and then once you start taking enough cocaine and you stop and you're like I should probably just keep taking this right doc because I feel terrible I'm now. feeling horrible <laughs> right <laughs> can we please just consider like we like to huh um, paint Hitler as though he was like this spectacularly evil but unique mm. person, right? Which, in a way, in a way, he was. Yeah, and he accomplished something totally horrible. Sure. We're not pro Hitler here. We're very anti. Very. Just. The but most... I just feel like you guys have never listened to a every... more anti Hitler <laughs> for every. <podcast. laughs> for every documentary I've ever seen, no one's ever even touched. No, that's How much true. his active, heavy cocaine use would have been a part, like, like if you guys know anyone who's ever like done a lot of cocaine. a lot of drugs in general, yeah, you would know that it, like, you know, it affects, it affects your you. life. It yeah. affects your life a lot. Yeah, and I just think it's such a unique, even just in the scope of history, 
in general, it's such a unique variable that yeah, there's probably no real really way. Covered. To, like we're there's no way for us to really measure it or to know for sure. Yeah. But I just think it's so interesting because not even that long ago, mm-hmm. no, it wasn't that cocaine long ago. was in right. Coca Cola, right. And that had to have some effect, right? Like we all joke about it now and we're like, oh yeah, it used to be in there. And it's like, well, but people were drinking was, that. What did that do? Children were drinking that. <laughs> like what? Children what sort were of drinking cocaine. <laughs> I know. I actually think Do we just that. not consider it? Like, yeah. I actually think a lot. So this is. Because pe- people on cocaine that do crazy things, not to say what Hitler did would just falls into the crazy category. Right. But that he accomplished. Quite it a was lot. a variable at least. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But we never hear about it. Something that I think once a day, well, maybe once every other day ish yeah. would be is what are the things that I'm consuming or wearing or using right now the 80 years from now, they're going to be like, and this is why what people back in 20, the right. 2020s were using X, Y, and Z. And that's why so many of them had cancer or, right. you know, like, yeah. what is the thing that I'm exposing myself to right now that one day we're going to find out, oh, well that caused, you know, X, Y, and Whatever. Z. I think about it all the time. Yeah. So I don't know if that's healthy, well, but <laughs> at least we're not putting cocaine in our food anymore <laughs> <laughs> or in our our over-the-counter medication. We're so enlightened. But yeah, no, uh, it's amazing what he... I mean, he was a, a brilliant... Uh, I mean, he knew how to run things. He knew how to conquer things. Uh, that's scary. It's He's a great picture of what uh, you can do when you're incredibly wicked and evil and intelligent. Right. Like, what can evil intelligence do? What right. can it look like? Uh, but I remember my dad telling me, because he's really into history, just how um, if Hitler had listened to his top generals, that they probably would have won. But towards the end there, his right. generals were telling well, him one thing. Well, that was when it was really bad. Is He started to really unravel. Break. Right. Yeah. He was like not well because he was... It seems like a real unraveling at the yeah. end. And right. so the heavy cocaine use, obviously, would... Yeah. Be a pretty big factor. And that's what I mean. Like, it's obviously such a big factor. Um, but we only ever bring that up as like a novelty. Like, right. did you know that they used to put heroin in right. whatever? Right. We're always like, oh, so interesting. But, but we how like, did that don't... affect people? <laughs> like how in real time? And it, you know that it did. Right. It but had we... to. It. Di- they didn't make it differently back then. <laughs> I know. I don't know. That's crazy. Well, anyway, okay, cool, Hitler. Very. That's. <laughs> we're really starting off strong. Um, I just. I mean, I think I don't know what I'm trying to say, but a part of what I'm trying to say is people on cocaine do really crazy things. Yeah. Facts. And Hitler did really crazy, horrible things. Obviously, this is not new to anybody, but. Right. It just makes you wonder, like, what other crazy things happened. Right. Because. Because of the substance. If it was happening now. Right. That would be like in the top five facts mm-hmm. of the lineup of that person. Right. They'd be like super evil. Heavy drug Hate certain groups of people. <laughs> does cocaine every day. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Perhaps we've talked enough about cocaine on the show. 
don't do drugs. <laughs> um, you can leave us a voicemail with your other strange historical facts and things that annoy you that annoy everyone else because they're annoyed at 470-465-0475. Uh, hit us up at patreon.com slash sheologians. You can join book club. It's never too late because we run a very low pressure mm-hmm. book club. I don't believe in lots of homework. Um, Nicolette has been sending me all these Covenanter YouTube videos. Yes, she sent me some too. Which yeah. is just, they're super interesting. So I'll, I need to share those. Um, we're reading Fair Sunshine. Super encouraging. So you can join us at patreon.com slash sheologians. Um, do you have anything else we need to tell them? Oh, um, we're going to be at the Cross Politic Conference in Nashville. We are. That is September 9th through the 11th. We'll be there. It's going to be a good time. I just found out some people that I really want to meet are going to be there. So I'm super oh. excited. Um, really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, that's all I Come got. say hello to us. Yes, come say hi because I, you may have seen my picture. I have not seen yours. So, right. Come say hi because. And even then, I still, I feel like we meet people all the time that are like, yeah, I've just never seen you. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've never seen your face. That's true. So I that's really true. was imagining something different. <laughs> I'll never forget my favorite comment still and potentially forever. And I'm not asking anybody out there to top it was when I met somebody at the very first uh, reform con and she like 10 minutes into hanging out. She was like, you know, you're actually so funny and nice. I thought from the internet, you'd be really dry. (laughs) And I was like, that is the best. What a <laughs> like if you were a different person, you could have been insulted. But, oh, I don't know how you could be. I but, was very that was hilarious. But you enjoyed it. You took I it for the compliment that it was. Really loved that comment. Anyway, um, hey, okay, so we're gonna talk today. This is something I don't remember how this came up exactly, but um, something must have been going on when we were planning mm-hmm. our topics. Yeah. <laughs> Something must have been happening. I realized that I really need to take notes when we're mining for topics. I need to take notes as to what I was thinking what is about in that, that we're in? moment. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about respectable female sins, which I feel like even without, I don't remember the context of this conversation that we had, but um, I mean, talking about female sins is, uh, you know, with, with a certain crowd, it's very popular but i would say with the majority of the church it's very unpopular Mm -hmm. and i don't want to harp on i think every mother's day or father's day there you can find someone complaining that you know the father's day sermon is going to be try harder and the mother's day sermon is going to be you're a perfect angel and for whatever like negative truth there is to that i don't know because i don't go i've never gone to a church that would. Didn't your dad do, wasn't his Mother's Day thing? <laughs> My dad preached on Mother's Day the roughest, <laughs> not Mother's related, yeah. uh, wow sermon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he was like, oh yeah, it's Mother's Day, ha <laughs> Like, you know, so that's, yeah, that's where I don't come from. Right. We're not so much A place that, that would have a Mother's Day. We're or... not ignorant to the fact that that happens in churches. This is, so what I'm saying is nothing that we're about to say comes from that place because we don't come from that place. Right. But I am completely aware that 
you know, we do tend to treat women with kid gloves. And then I, I think the sometimes the people that want to punch back against that end up punching too far. And that's unwise, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Well, that's what I honestly. We decided to do this topic this week because I felt like I had something to say. And then the more I thought about it, <laughs> the more I realized that I'm struggling to know what to say okay. because I didn't when we do episodes like this the point is to be encouraging and to point people away from but I'm also not I'm not like we're not the superhero team out there diagnosing all the world's evils and saying this is bad don't do this that's not that's also not what I wanted to do. Um, basically, what I'm saying is I wanted to actually feel or think a certain type of way about the things that I was mm-hmm. warning people against or encouraging people mm-hmm. to not do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that. Uh, I don't know. We'll just have to see yeah. where it goes. How many did you come with? Man, yeah. mine's one. It's a lot to a unpack. It's the big one. It's a yeah. one big. And I'm not even certain that I've totally unpacked it. Yeah. So I may discover exactly what I'm trying to say right in the middle of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just the kind of yep. week it's been. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I'll start. Yeah. Please okay. do. So the, what we mean by this is obviously a play on jerry bridges right respectable sin right and i think one of the great things about that book it's definitely a must read mm-hmm. if you're a christian you know you have to read this book yeah. at least yeah. once so if you haven't it's called respectable sins and it's by jerry bridges and it's really really great i wanted to think through what and anyway so what that means is like here here are the sins that we tend to be really soft on right here like are the acceptable sins like sins that we have we don't really pass. talk about, yeah. Right. We tend to give it a pass. We t- or we tend to have a very light view of it, even though it is sinful, right? Uh, and it's just something that we allow among each other. Anyway, the first one, if we're thinking specifically about female sins that I think are not, they're not taken seriously, uh, or they happen super, super under the radar, and we don't interrogate them enough is the sin of constant victimhood. It's the sin of in every situation that you find yourself, not only are you the main character, you're the main oppressed character. Mm -hmm. And yeah, anybody with eyeballs can look around and see this happening in the culture at large. Yeah. Uh, Feminism was a great, a gateway drug for the woman that loves to be the constant victim. Uh, but what I am thinking about specifically, because I'm I'm talking to Christians, to right. women that are committed to the church, committed to their sanctification. Um, the world thinks it's respectable, and they don't think it's a sin. So that's not right. Our well, audience being right a victim, now. <laughs> being a victim in the world, just automatically imbues you with all kinds of virtue mm-hmm. that you did not earn and you are not displaying. 
Uh, and I, I think one way that this has crept into the church is that among serious Christian women, there is, I think, a lot of times an air of, uh, well, I've I've been mistreated, so I get to act a certain way. Right. Here, I think you see it in the entitlement. And the entitlement to a day at the spa, and the entitlement of a false idea of self-care, and the entitlement right. of um, even just, you know, we talked about this a while ago, even just the entitlement of everyone has to, of being known and understood. Yes. Of It uh, is nice to be known. It is nice to be understood. And in a lot of relationships, I would say it's helpful, very helpful um, but you are not entitled to it. You are going right. to have relationships where the other person does not understand right. why you feel the way you feel right. and they might never because they are not going to feel that way. Yeah. And a lot of women act like that is just, that is sin against them. Yeah. And I think that's a part of victim culture. Yeah. I was, I was thinking, I kind of, I almost put something very similar in my notes and the way that I was thinking of it is that you're like setting others up to fail you. Oh yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> and we t- like, we take this, there is this little nugget that floats around, which is that like, you know, when you, when you live in a body, when you live in fellowship, when you're married, when you have kids, when you have friends, when you go to work, like people are not perfect. So they're going to hurt you. Yeah. They're going to sin against you. Yeah. Um, but then there is this little hidden caveat in there that I would like to give, which is that you don't get to assume someone has hurt you if they haven't. And you don't get to assume that someone is going to like, or someone's trying to. Right. Well, I think a lot, I mean, super popular, but like, it's very common for women to just assume that their husband is going to fail. Mm hmm. You're like, and it's like, okay, well, let's unpack that. Right. Did you, (laughs) imagine if he treated you like that? Right. Did he, like, yeah. Like what if every day when he went to work, he was like, the house is going to be messy. The dinner is going to stink. Right. The kids are going to be unruly and undisciplined. And I just know that about her because that's how she is. I know Mm. that she's lazy. I know she doesn't do things the way I like. Um, and I, yeah, I think that that's, I think that's huge. That's a, oh gosh. Really big one. Yeah. Really, really. And, and you know, the thing the thing about the constant victimhood status or just really viewing yourself as the main character to everything that's happening uh, is not only is it selfish, it does put that undue pressure that you mentioned on other people. Um, but it doesn't. The thing that really bothers me is that it's completely untethered from a biblical view of of the world because at the end of the day if you are a christian you have to live with the reality that you live in a sinful world that you're going to be sinned against and not not everything is going to be reconciled on this side of heaven right and 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 i'm also speaking to people who are real victims i'm not people who cuz yeah people are going to sin against you you are you are in some way you probably have or you're going to experience some sort of oppression. Uh, 
But the problem is, is that we have to live in light of that reality, in light of what scripture has said about who we are, who other people are, and in light of God's promises. And so constantly looking for ways that other people might have failed you or that you're a victim of being wronged is something that we have to be on guard against because it appeals to our flesh and it denies God's promises. Like if every day you feel victimized by something or someone, uh, you are looking at your life with fleshly eyes instead of as how Christ would have you look at your life. And so obviously this is not we're going to move on. This is just one thing I kind of want to put on the radar for like, this is something to look out for in your life. Mm -hmm. Are are you the main character in your life? Well, yeah. And that's what, that's the, that's the goal of a lot of people is to find that tap into that main character energy. Mm -hmm. Um, And just sounds great. Arrange everything around that. (laughs) It sounds great until you really, (laughs) It's a mess. Yeah, until you really, uh, until you're really willing to like investigate what that looks like, right? Especially given how you're told mm-hmm. to live your life mm-hmm. in the word. Yep. Okay, so that's the first one. Don't be a victim. Okay. Well, should I go? Even though I only well, see, that's the thing is I have one, but it's like kind of. I'm curious if it crosses over with mine. So maybe I should go. Yeah. And that way you can interject. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So again, I don't totally know. We're just going to work this through this. Okay. Let's do it. I did. (laughs) I've been trying to like wrap my head around this. Okay. As you know, I've had a migraine most of the week. So right. my brain has actually not been super functional. Not been doing great. This week. So yeah. I have struggled. Mm-hmm. But this morning I did the Bible reading. Good. And um, I saw something that really hit. I love when that yeah. happens. Um, so First Peter 2.16, live as people who are free not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, mm. but living as servants of God. Mm. So I guess if I'm trying to like, so this is my struggle. Everyone hears that and they're like, amen. So how does right. this fit into this <laughs> episode? How do I take that verse mm-hmm. and translate it to mm-hmm. a respectable female sin? Yep. Um, and so I, like I said, I'm working on it, but here we go. Um, my best way to describe this is that, um, it is very respectable or acceptable for us to look like the world most of the time or some of the time, as Mm -hmm. long as we are looking like Christ some of the time. Okay. Almost like your obedience is like this meter. Mm -hmm. And once you fill it up, then that's the time you can feel free to like fulfill your desires. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not true. Right. Or real. (laughs) Yep. Um, that is, that comes from a deep misunderstanding of what freedom is. Yep. And what service 
mm-hmm. to others is, mm-hmm. um, what service to God is. It's almost like you've met the minimum requirement of Christian behavior for the day. Yeah. Like, okay, I did enough of this, like... Or I'm going to do it later. Right. So now... Right. Tomorrow I'm going to church, so, like, today I can... Right. It doesn't matter. Or even just, like, you know, I I fed my family, I served my family all day, mm-hmm. and now that all the kids are asleep, mm-hmm. I can just, like, eat bad food and watch TikTok every night. Right. It's that every, apathy... Every night. ...that you've been talking about. Right. And, yeah, yeah, it's definitely... That's the... Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's why the use of freedom mm-hmm. in that verse mm-hmm. really, so live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil. Mm-hmm. There is no, so there is the true freedom boundary. does not include evil. Right. Um, but I think what is respectable, mm-hmm. the respectable sin here mm-hmm. is that we believe in the world's version of what is free. Mm-hmm. And that's actually bondage. License. And I'm not saying eating Taco Bell and watching TikTok at night is bondage, but I'm saying it can be. And I'm saying that mm-hmm. you're not to use your freedom in Christ mm-hmm. as a cover for evil. Right. Right. And I also think, too, for as much as we like to, so externally, we like, we sort of, uh, externally, there is this um, this pull towards the meter thing that we just talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, if you just sort of do 10 things that are to the glory of God, like, if you have a few left over at the end of the day, you can sort of do whatever you want. Right. Um, but I... So there's that, but then what I have to wonder is that if we are accepting of that in our lives, right? What does our internal, our internal secret, private lives, which are not private from God, by the way, and they're not a secret, and while you may be able to keep them a secret and private from the people around you, mm-hmm. there are consequences of those things that are visible, and they may not be. Like no one, maybe no one has quite put their finger on it and maybe you haven't quite put your finger on it. Yeah. Um, but the, those things are poisoning your life. They are not, sin is, is not without consequence. Right. And so, especially in your own private, inside of you, inside your head, you need to make sure that you're not giving yourself the freedom that the world provides which right. is to do whatever you want. Um, or like the satanic do as thou wilt. Right. Whatever. Yeah. Obviously, we think like we have a version of that, which is you can do whatever you want in obedience mm-hmm. and service to God. Right. Um, and the world doesn't the world doesn't see that as freedom. Um, but I think that, yeah, I, th- I think that's it. I think we I think it's respectable to have an earth, a worldly definition Mm -hmm. of what freedom is and to live your life that way. Right. And I think what that ends up doing is freeing us up, um, to be sinful or Mm -hmm. check out or think like Mm -hmm. this moment isn't to the glory of God. This moment's just for me. Mm -hmm. And that is where apathy creeps in 
because we start to think that there are times of the day and there are actions and there are meals and there are um, activities that do not reflect belief in God. Right. (laughs) But they all do. Well, and it's not like this is not it's it's a tough it's a tough thing to talk about because you don't want people to hear this and think like so like that sounds like a lot that sounds like a lot to take in and I'm already really tired and feel like I can't now you're telling me I can't have a moment to myself right um no I think I think the the dis dis finding motivation is a lie and here's what I mean by that you do what you want to do And if you are waiting to feel motivated, you are going to wait forever because the people, people that are successful in any area, successful in being disciplined spiritually, successful in being disciplined physically, Mm -hmm. successful at work. It's not that they woke up every single morning and felt like putting the work in. Right. It's that regardless of how they felt, they put the work right. in. And so, and uh, I'm learning that, like, because I've been trying to be more disciplined and going to the gym. And it's like, I don't always, it's not that I'm not disciplined. I, I'm not motivated. Right. I'm going because I believe it's what I should be doing. And mm-hmm. I want, I want to do that. And so... What I'm learning is that discipline is not about being motivated. Right. It's about doing what you believe you should do, even especially when you're not feeling right. it. Especially when you're not being motivated. Yeah. And that is and not waiting around for that feeling yeah. is going to determine your success. Right. Because you cannot we've said this before, other people have said this before, you don't obey your feelings you be obedient and wait for your feelings to follow follow you like your your feelings are like the caboose on the train right and feelings people have a wrong idea about feelings feelings actually follow action like if you are not feeling something take an action toward it and eventually you're probably going to feel it because guess what every time i leave the gym i feel great right Um, I don't feel great usually going in, but I feel great when I leave. And it's the same thing. Like, and it's not faking it. It's no. not fake it till you make it. No. It's submitting to what you know is true, regardless of how you feel Re- about yeah, it. How you feel. If you're waiting around for your desires and your motivation, you're like, one, one day when I, I feel like doing it. You are never going to feel like right. doing it because the mo- the less you do something, the less you want to do it. Right. The more you do something and you start experiencing the benefits and you're seeing the pr- what this produces, that is going to motivate you to keep doing it. But you have to get over that hump first. And so with the spiritual life, if you're like, oh, I just I don't I didn't feel like reading my Bible today. Well, cool. You should have what you should have done is do it anyway. And then eventually what's going to happen is it's going to create something called a habit. And then once you have because right now you're in a habit, you're in a habit of not reading your Bible. (laughs) Once you get into the habit of reading your Bible, it's not going to be that difficult. That that was a huge thing I thought of Mm -hmm. when I was thinking about this. Mm hmm was prayer and Mm -hmm. Bible reading. Yeah. 
You cannot sit around and wait until you are just like you're in a Zen zone where, wow, I'm really going to feel this. Or using your freedom to keep from intimacy. Mm-hmm. You do. You do have the freedom, the ability. You have the ability to mm-hmm. not read your Bible every single day. Mm-hmm. And you're using that as a cover. Right. First, set for what? For not pursuing God. Right. Which is like, evil. It's like, tell me we something, don't, though. We, don't like, want, we just want to be like, oh, well, that's just, some people aren't task-oriented. Some people are, right. have whatever. Right. They have ADHD and they can't. Right. They have executive dysfunction. Right. And they can't read their Bible every day. No. <laughs> tell me, tell me, show me a not- regular Bible reader that is in passionate pursuit of Jesus. And that's they don't I, exist. And that's, and that's the thing is that we, it allows the, the whole Bible reading and the absence of Bible reading and the absence of prayer. Mm-hmm. And trust me, like it's convicting. It's convicting for me too. Oh, are you a human too? <laughs> oh um, my goodness. <laughs> but it is, it is what lets in mm-hmm. so much yeah. discontent. Right. And it is the thing it is. That is so, we are so willing Mm -hmm. to overlook that Mm -hmm. or the absence of that Mm -hmm. as the source Mm -hmm. of our darkest moments. Yep. We are so, we are so willing to live for years in a pit of despair, wondering where is God, shaking our fists at God, wondering why he won't just take away the pain that we're in. And we are so willing to overlook that we're not in any intimacy with him whatsoever. Right. Right. Well, and how, what you do in your free time says a lot about what you believe about yourself and God. Like it's, it speaks volumes. You're like, yes, I am called to nothing. Right. Like, Oh, I, I put in my, whatever, my eight hours of work. And now what I'm called to is, absolutely nothing because that's what I feel like doing. Well, and we live in a culture where we will have to use discipline to actively engage in uh, productive Mm -hmm. recreation. Right. There's so many opportunities for us to be lazy. Right. And it's again, we're not eschewing all recreation that involves you sitting with your family on a couch and watching a movie. Productive but, in many ways, right. I think. <laughs> but there, there is, there easily comes a moment mm-hmm. when um, there, I, and it's, it's without. There doesn't even need to be a debate on this. Don't try to convince me <laughs> that reading is, or don't try to convince me that doing a fifty-eight hour charcoal drawing is the same as watching someone do one on YouTube. <laughs> like it's just not the right. same thing. There are. There are ways that you can recreate. There are ways that you can spend time that belongs, that is not, uh, I don't even want to say like free time. It is free time, but like. Your time belongs to the Lord, honestly. Right. It doesn't, just because you don't meet a requirement and then it becomes your time to do whatever you want. Like that, once you have put your kids to bed. Mm-hmm. You still are a servant. All of your hours are the Lord's. You've been and, bought with a price. Right. So and just, live a certain way. So consider way. <laughs> that reading, reading, knitting, whatever it is you like to do, whatever thing you want to try to do, but lazy recreation is keeping you from doing it. Mm-hmm. There is a difference. Mm-hmm. There is a difference. Um, And God didn't make us. Yeah. He didn't make 
he didn't make us to produce nothing at the end of every day. No. And I think one thing I would just really encourage everybody to think about is that if you feel like, okay, well, I haven't been producing anything. I haven't been accomplishing anything. I have just been wasting my time and now it's too late. Like it's just too late for me to come out of this. Like you're wrong because you can start this hour changing the way that you use your hours. And what's going to happen is it might be really painful at first. Or if you're like me, I am very easy to please. When I see the smallest little bump in result, I'm like, yes. And (laughs) I want more of that. Right. And if I see the smallest little, well, that produced that, which means if I keep doing this, then maybe I'll get a little bit more of that. And like, I don't know if I'm just like hooked on endorphins or whatever, or just very easily. What? You? (laughs) Me? With parents? With the parents you have? No. I know. know. I'm hooked. Never. Like, I'm so easily hooked. (laughs) I'm just like, well, I'm keeping, I'm going. I'm going back. I'm going back for it. And that, that really hurt. And I'm doing it again. Because it was kind of fun a little bit. And I had a, I had an endorphin. And what I'm saying is, when you discover, like, I had a really cool moment with one of my kids where they were, like, they were starting to realize that in a very short period of time, they had read a lot of the Bible. Right. And it, it hadn't taken that much. It wasn't, like, this Herculean effort that they thought it would be. What it was was it was consistent daily discipline right. regardless of motivation that had a huge payoff. Right. And so that applies into like so many areas of life and you have to believe that. You have to be willing to be to work even though you're not motivated and you have to remember that all of your hours are God's and go from there. Well, and if you're discouraged that is an, that is being discouraged is another moment of your time. Make spent. a choice. Like make a choice. That is another moment. Mm-hmm. It is a moment that, sh- that can drive you to feel depressed and bad about yourself or that can cause you to cry out to God and say, I am nothing. I'm doing nothing. I am not producing anything. I am wasting my time in service and to I'm you. I'm not going to keep wasting Please it. make the choice. Yes. Make Help that me. choice. Help me. It doesn't matter how you feel. Just make the choice. Right. Do the right thing regardless of how you feel about it. And that's part of being self-controlled. That actually goes into something I did want to talk about. Okay. And I feel like it. this actually ties in. Okay. So, okay, good. Because what we're talking about, what I think we're talking about is maturity, immaturity. Right. That okay. was another thing that I... It's maturity, yeah. immaturity. And I think the big respectable sin that we give a pass to and women in that area is emotional, Mm -hmm. emotional weakness versus like emotional strength. Right. And this is one of those times where, uh, you know, you're talking about bondage and freedom. I think many women are in bondage to their emotions. They are very weak emotionally. And because women are the weaker vessel, I think a lot of times in the church, everything you just said is something that some people, they're like, Every time you say the word weak, their eye like twitches. <laughs> well, because we are the weaker vessel uh, and because there are ways in which we we uh, men as husbands are called to to honor their wives in their weakness. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we use that, I think, as a battering ram. Right. Uh, and what I mean by that is we... strongly defend our emotional immaturity because we're women. Right. And 
there's a snare in that, <laughs> obviously. Uh, because as Christian... Well, as though the title to be one is just to be the one that is emotional. Like, right. compared comparatively, women are known as more emotional. And so that's all it takes to hold the title. And that's right. But... <laughs> That's not, there are, there's improper emotionality and proper or properly oriented emotions. Part of emotional maturity is being self-controlled, which men and women are called to. So it's, there is nothing wrong that we are, uh, we tend to be more emotional in certain ways. There's nothing wrong with that. And our husbands are called to honor that. They're actually called to uh, be mindful of that right. and to live in an understanding way with that. Fine. What what that can't mean is that they're called to live with overly immature, out of control women who are not able to display the fruit of the spirit because they are controlled by their emotions. Right. And I think so a part of emotional control uh, is that your husband can trust that if you have a difficult day, you, he's still going to be able to find a wife who can be trusted in those moments to act appropriately. Uh, and oh, we're talking about sinners. Okay. So no one's saying you have to be the perfect wife that's never failed. What I am saying is, like, can your husband trust? That's That's actually... If you felt that way, that was immature. That was actually an immature, an emotionally immature reaction. Yeah. Yes. Because you're called to, you know, what's funny is because that... no, nobody here. No, like <laughs> we, nobody sitting at this table thinks or is trying to say that people need to be perfect. Right. That's not, that's never, we shouldn't have to say right. that. As somebody so who is you, far from perfect. If you reacted emotionally to that, what we're saying is. There's something to look into there. Right. Um, it's funny to me because a lot of Christendom right now is really busy, uh, flattening and erasing differences between men and women. But I feel like when it comes to the call given to both men and women to, uh, be developing in the fruits of the spirit and to be growing in those areas, um, a lot of times we want to give men a certain pass in one area and women a certain pass in one area. But regardless of whether you're a man or a woman, you are called to act a certain way, uh, to live with gentleness and self-control. And it doesn't matter if you're an angry man. It doesn't matter if you're an emotionally weak woman, you're still called to display these fruits. And so emotional strength is a beautiful thing and it's something that we need to be busy cultivating. And one way that you're not going to be cultivating it is by wasting your time in pursuit of the things of the world or your quote unquote recreation. Uh, you're not going to be developing emotional strength if you are looking for all the ways in which you're being victimized. Like these are all things that lead to emotional restraint is something that is, is built up. Yeah, it is a discipline a that a is muscle. built up over time. And you have to work the muscle whether you feel like it or not. I'm right. going to keep going back to right. uh, finding motivation is a lie. 
And uh, motivation is not the answer for all your problems. Right. Well, if only I felt like right. doing the right thing. Well, sweetie, <laughs> you, you're not until you practice and exercise that muscle, you're not going to feel like right. using it because it's a weak muscle. Right. That's how muscles work. That's that welcome to the world that you live in. Um, until you practice something, it's difficult. Right. And you have to practice it over and over and over and over. Yeah. And even the most accomplished uh, tennis player doesn't hit every ball back across the net. Right. Even though they're very practiced and very good at it and they'll get most of them. Um, so welcome, you know, there's a reason why the apostle Paul used athleticism and physical discipline yeah. as a, uh, a metaphor for the spiritual life, because it really is like that. And so with emotional strength, if you're emotionally weak, it's because that's what you've been practicing. You've been practicing emotional weakness. And if it feels really hard and really stressful to practice something else, that's because it's new. And you just have to continue doing it. You have to continue giving it to the Lord. You have to continue practicing self-control. You have to continue pursuing those things. You have to, and and you have to do it whether you feel like it or not. Right. And so, well, and and honestly, th- this is just like a little practical thing. But anything you're struggling with that involves you lying to yourself, which I think is what a lot of a lot of our disordered emotional problems are. It, usually there is a lie somewhere in there, mm-hmm. either about who we are, who God is, what another person did or how they meant it or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, lies just, they don't look the same and they don't do as, they're fragile. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a very powerful antidote, which is truth. Yeah. And generally when you expose a lie, when you push it out into the light, it, it looks as silly and stupid as it right. is. It does the, <laughs> it's not like, real. it's like, um, in Indiana Jones, when everyone just like crumbles. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's important. It's important for you yeah. to tell, it's important for you to, you don't have to make it like a whole thing. Just be like, Hey, I'm thinking this thing. Can you tell me if that's true or not to your friend or your husband or whoever? Right. Um, it's very help, very, very helpful. Mm-hmm to get rid of lies and mm-hmm. not let them hang around. Mm-hmm. Well, and a lot of times we keep them in the dark because we know once they get shoved out into right. the light that they will crumble right. and we're not ready for that. Right. We don't want that. Right. We're not ready for that lie to go away because yeah. it's easier or it's the habit. Again, we're talking habits. It's a habit that it's something that you want to believe because the alternate might be harder to deal with. Mm-hmm. And that's not well, because it is hard. Yeah. It's hard to control yourself emotionally. Yes. That's why no one does it now. <laughs> it's, it, it's really hard. It's a, like a very active thing. Even when I'm talking about like being faithful and like being a servant of God mm-hmm. all the time, always. Mm-hmm. People don't want to hear it. It's like, man, that just sounds like a lot, though. Uh, you're putting it's a like, yoke well, on me. You've already been given the necessary things. All to, that you need for life and yeah. godliness. You have it. Right. Just FYI. Just yeah. lay a hold of it. Right. Is what I'm saying. Um, okay. Well, as long as we're saying things that it. <laughs> I had like one other one, but I was like, I'm not going to say it in case it makes people. Okay. In case we've. Met well, I'm going to say it. Okay. Oh, what is it? I'm curious to see if we have the same one. I think a respectable female sin. 
Should we say ours at the same time? <laughs> and then no one will hear it. And then no one will hear it. And then we don't have I to. I just kind of want to know if it's the same okay. thing. Okay. Okay. One, two, three. Not, not disciplining your children. <laughs> what did you say? Not being a Christian mom. Oh. <laughs> it's the same thing. Okay. Well, there well, we go again. I might be coming from a different area. <laughs> Your sounds a little uh, more uh, general. Holistic. Okay. Well, here's what I I want to hear what you mean by that. But I bet we're talking about the same thing. Um, a couple weeks ago, I, I thought this was so interesting. This was so interesting. I didn't say a whole lot about it. Um, it was something I saw on the internet, and then it's one of those. I feel like um, <laughs> I don't like talking about um things that happen on social media, but this was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And obviously. The threads on the Sheologians page are like a whole thing. It's hilarious. I can't even. I can't even. Um, sometimes the most, <laughs> sometimes the stuff I think will be most controversial is not. Is like almost no comments at all. And then the stuff that should have been vanilla is like. I'm just. What? There's a whole war going <laughs> no, down, and I'm not looking because I don't want to see. Because what? <laughs> well, and you're like, this was just a. This like, was what could we have possibly? I what could don't. we be talking okay. about? <laughs> well, this is one of those moments where I just thought, wow, like this is an interesting conversation. I think people should have this conversation, right. but instead it turned into like World War Three, and I was yeah. like, mm, I'm skipping out of here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, I didn't know that was going to happen. Um, but, you know, here's the thing about parenting. You're you're a Christian. You believe that children are a blessing. If you believe children are a blessing, by extension, that means being a parent is a blessing. It's a privilege. It's a gift. Parenthood is a gift from God. I find it so interesting that this thing that is we supposedly are supposed to be busy believing is a blessing, we automatically get super duper defensive. Just the defensiveness, the walls that immediately come up, I think are it, it's pointing to something. Uh, now I'm not a prophet, and I, I but. Okay, let's just think about for a second, why on earth would the topic of parenting, it just, it's almost like in Christian circles, it has its own rules of things you're allowed to say and not to say. And the things that you're allowed to say and not to say are defined by the exception and not the rule. Right. They're defined by something that the Bible would not define it as. Right. So even your most difficult child is a blessing to you and is for, uh, God's glory for your sanctification, for your good. Uh, and it's almost like we yeah, just... Yeah, if you have a difficult child, maybe you... Maybe you... <laughs> um, anyway, I won't keep going. <laughs> We're giving you the eyes right now. Is what we want to do, but you can't see our faces. So, um, anyway, I think we give a pass to moms to really not expend their lives to raise Christians. And here, what I mean by that, and this is not, I think some people are going to think this is a very, like, I'm a Baptist. How could I be saying that? I think it's just Bible 101 that if you are a Christian, you are to raise your children in the fear of the Lord. You are to disciple them. You are to take them to church. Right. Uh, you are to 
we are to disciple the nations, regardless of whether or not the nation is a Christian nation, we should be speaking unto the world. And that includes those in your household with the good news of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you are to run your household in accordance with how God has told you that households are to be run. And you are to raise Christian children. You are to raise children that go to church, that know the gospel, that know the Bible. Um, And I think we give a pass to moms because it's hard. I think we say, you know, she was having a really hard time, so fill in the blank of why she got to shirk this duty. Uh, fill in the blank or, you know, well, she did. She did her best, but, you know, the kids just really hate church, so they don't try anymore. Or, you know, whatever right. else have you. Um, at the end of the day, sin doesn't work. So my firm belief is that even if you have children in your house who deny Christ, um, because the world exists as he has defined it, even that, even that, um, that aroma of Christ that fills your house. Like, yes, there is an aspect where if you have a a child who hates Christ, that aroma might stink to them in some ways, but in other ways, if you are living in accord with the fruit of the spirit, you have more pleasantness to offer children than the world, than the world does. So why aren't the children enjoying that pleasant fruit of the spirit? It doesn't matter whether they're believers or not. That's again, that's not the, that's not the question I'm talking about parenting right now. Right. Are you parenting in such a way that your children know who Jesus is? They know he's gentle, that he's kind, that he's meek, that he's King, that he's good, that he takes care of those in his charge. Because if your kids don't know that, then you're not raising them in a Christian home. You're not raising them. You're not acting like a Christian in your parenting. Right. Um, And I don't just mean, oh, if you're a Christian, you'll be nice. Because, yeah, it's going to be hard. That's the thing. Well, and you don't mean that if you display the fruits of the Spirit to your children, your children will be saved. No. (laughs) Like, that's not... That's not the question. Well, because when we're saying this, I think people get defensive. When we're saying this... What we're not saying to you is that we've been watching and we've been watching (laughs) which ones of you do not. You have unsaved adult children or you have. Oh, I noticed your child hasn't been baptized yet or, you know, not be nice enough. No, if that's what you're hearing, I just don't think you understand Proverbs. That's not uh, the command to raise uh, your children to fear the Lord is not a command with this little side command to look at all what all your neighbors are doing and decide if they were a good enough parent or right. And I think that's how, right. That's how people hear it for hear some it. reason, Yeah, which doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me, but this came up because of the whole discussion around the proverb, of course. Right. Cause everybody right. reads yep. the proverb about training the child up in the way you should go when he's old, he won't depart from it. Uh, my question is, why can why can everyone read like every other verse as the as the general truth that it is? But like in this one case, like when it has to do with parenting, it's like, well, well, Proverbs, well, Bible, well, word of God. What about? And my thing is, why are you so quick to play? What about? Right. I think we should speak like the Bible speaks now. 
the Bible does not say if you are a Christian and you raise your kid as a Christian, we promise you every single time this kid is going to be a Christian. That's not what the verse says. And that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that when the Bible lays out a general truth about life such as this, we should go yes and amen and trust in God. Right. And it shouldn't be something that we get defensive about and go, well, you know, I knew this one really nice Christian couple and their one kid. Yeah. Yes. We all know. Right. Of at least, I mean, if you've been in the church, you know, a family that genuinely behaved like Christ and they have a kid or two or three or four or 10 that left the church when they turned 18 and never came back. Right. Fine. We all. Okay. That's great. But when the Bible speaks in these general truths, we shouldn't be. It's the world that has trained right. us to think we need to talk about the uh, the exceptions to the rule. I think there's nothing wrong with stereotypes. I know the kids these days are like stereotypes, you know, just really triggers mm-hmm. them and hurts them. But the Bible speaks in generalities because the bi- the <laughs> the world around us, God did create it to work a certain way. And in, in what I find super interesting was around the same time that that whole thread started that like really blew my mind. The response just blew my mind, not necessarily by the content, but by the fervor. Right. Uh, around the same time, that video of the San Francisco gay men's choir came out. Yeah. And then it was a whole song about how they're going to convert our kids. Mm-hmm. They're coming for our kids. They're going to make them gay or they're going to at least make them tolerant. And what was so interesting to me was that that song was totally about it was it was pagans saying we know how to catechize right. kids, mm-hmm. we know how to train kids in our faith. We're gonna raise and up we're gonna those do it. Kids, yeah. The world knows that you right. train and catechize kids. Right. That's why they want your kids in public school. That's why people hate homeschooling and uh, alternate schooling because they know you have to have the minds of the next generation. Why do pagans think that you can train a kid in the faith? Because you can. Mm-hmm. Because in general, yeah. you can. Now, of course, there's that kid out there. There are exceptions. There are kids that are raised in public school and they grow up and they're great Christian thinkers. That that has right. happened. And I'm not denying that. But in general, you train a kid, you catechize a kid a certain way, that's what they're going to believe. Mm-hmm. You teach a kid how to behave, they're going to do that. And you know what? The older I get, the more I find out how exactly I am like my parents. And you don't see it the younger you are. And the older you are, you're like, whoa, there it is. Oh, yeah. that was my mom. Whoop, that was my dad. Like, it, it's inevitable. Right. And so what I'm saying is, is we so devalue the role of the Christian mother that we give a pass to moms that are not busy living like Christian moms who don't take it seriously that they are molding the next generation. You're molding minds. You're Mm. molding people. And no, that's not a promise that I can foretell exactly how this kid is going to turn out. It's not an indictment. Like if your kids aren't saved, it's not an indictment that you didn't do that. That's none of my business. That's what I meant earlier. Like, if you have a personal stake in this conversation, it's really none of my business. Like right. how you raise your kids is none of my business. You've already been instructed how to raise them. It's not like me right. trying to right. trying to tell right. you. Like What we're saying is don't, if you're a Christian, don't give yourself a pass right. to not raise your kids in the faith. Right. Like you, sh- they should be looking at you and learning how an adult in the faith behaves. Right. Zero questions asked, regardless of the situation. Mm-hmm. 
And I know there I have difficult situations and my I, I understand. Like, I get it. But you cannot give yourself a pass and be like, well, you know, my kid just really doesn't like the Bible or my kid just really doesn't like going to church. So I guess I'll treat this one differently. The other ones like going, but this one just, you know, I can't do it. And it's like, no, you have a responsibility to this child. Right. And it, it starts with how you live because they're watching you. Like you want to know who's watching you. <laughs> right. Well, we talk about, I was thinking about this a little bit. Like we talk a lot about the spheres of government in terms of like justice situations, mm-hmm. but the spheres of government exist totally in this conversation Mm -hmm. um like if you are unable to be self-controlled um how are you a bunch of kids yeah if you can't govern yourself how will you govern a household to be like if you don't fear god and you don't uh act as a servant of god Mm -hmm. how will you train Mm -hmm. a family if you have no self-control you cannot teach a child to have self-control That's not you can't teach someone else to do something that you don't know how to do or that you don't practice. If there's one quick way to make your kids hate the faith, be a hypocrite. Right. Because they will see it. (laughs) Your kids will know. And not just in this the popular secular way. Like my parents said they were Christians, but then they weren't perfect. So. Right. Yeah. No, we're not talking about that. That's called just (laughs) childish rebellion, you know. Right. But um. But yeah, be a good parent who loves the Lord and teach your kids to do the same thing. My thing was my thing was more uh, like about not disciplining. Mm. It was not so much about the way you discipline your kids, but just making concessions for kind of worldly psychological uh, systems that haven't been run like run through the Bible as mm-hmm. their ultimate foundation. And just like how you think of kids. Uh, how you think of their development, their capacity for sin. There's a lot of, mm-hmm. there's a lot of factors that go into that. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying you beat the sin out of your kids. And I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying that every single child care technique or child right. development research study is wrong at all. Right. Um, but I'm saying we have, we mm, mothers tend to, have a huge arsenal of resources that allow us to go easy on our kids to make excuses. Um, and those, Mm -hmm. those are the kind of excuses, um, that we make when we don't, we don't want to be Christian moms or parents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's some, there's a weird, there's either, Again, an unwillingness, like you're unwilling to do the thing that you're, you would discipline for. So you don't want to discipline them for it. Right. Um, Or you think that there is some kind of, some people just, some people believe there's actually like a physical and emotional, uh, like trauma that happens when you spank your kids and. Right. Um. I, I I don't know. I feel like the Bible says how to do it. Yeah. It doesn't give you early child development studies. It doesn't cite that. Right. So again, how you discipline your kids is none of my business. Right. My thing is I'm just saying it's rather respectable for us to have this philosophy of why 
Mm-hmm. I don't make my kid do this and I don't make my kid do this. And I don't, if I make my kid do this, then they're going to get this wrong view of their self and fear based parenting yeah. is, uh, that doesn't produce godly results. What? No. <laughs> yeah. And it's super easy to be crazy fearful because right. there's so, so many parents out there are like, like you said, if I do this, then this, and it's like a constant downward spiral spiral of fear, uh, based on usually what the world has said right. in terms of how to raise kids. Um, well, and it's, I, I, maybe this is unrelated, but at the bottom of it, I think there is like an unwillingness to interact and an unwillingness to be in community with people that we deem as toxic, which a lot of times mm. toxic people are people that have done anything that we don't like at all. <laughs> right. Um, and so, <laughs> right. I do think that a lot of kids probably a shocking amount of kids mm-hmm. have not grown up with healthy conflict or right. being annoyed by another person, but still loving them and still hosting them right? or, or, or being genuinely hurt by someone and reconciling. And, and I think a lot of people, um, they're just really bad at relationships with other people because they haven't had, um, they haven't been able to see, their parents or anyone else uh, behave interpersonally in a way that's like, that's faithful and caring. Right. But also stands up for what's right. And right. I don't know. I just parent your kids like you're a Christian. That's (laughs) what we're saying. (laughs) Don't waste your time. Be emotionally strong. And you're not the main character. Just right. <laughs> FYI. Yeah. No Just need to seek out that main main character that's happening. Thank God for the main character of the whole story. Yes. That died for your sins. It's not you. <laughs> it can't be you. Okay. Well, hey, you can <laughs> you can leave us a voicemail at four seven zero four six five zero four seven five. Do we need to tell him anything else? I can't think of anything. We hope that you have a so. lovely week. And we will see you next week. See ya. Get with the program. Everything's been slipping.